Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan, joined by the whole crew today, Brandon Piller and Chris Parliament. We'll touch on the Sounds Foundation not renewing their affiliation with the Ottawa Senators after 22 years of being their charity foundation. We'll say happy birthday to a former senator. We'll spin the Tank Watch Simulator and discuss maybe a sign of things to come. All that and the number 16 on the rankings for the Sen Central NHL Draft. Today's episode brought to you by rockauto.com. They've got amazing selection with reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. And then we'll need you to stay tuned to the end of the show because we've got our first episode of the Sen Central Citizens with my good buddy, Max Armstrong. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Saturday, June 6th. We will not be talking about the anniversary of the Ottawa Senators maybe losing the Stanley Cup on this day in 2007, but we do have to start with some not-so-great news, Brandon Piller. Especially it's tough when uh, the world is going through such um, crazy times. You know, it just seems like the Senators are never on the right side of uh, PR things since we started this podcast I mean, we could be pretty much a, a political podcast about the Ottawa Senators instead of talking about the actual hockey. I feel like we've done 40 or 50 episodes talking about the organization or a bunch of those in this COVID-19 period without hockey. I mean, I miss the game. I know you guys you guys do for sure. The situation with the uh, Senators Foundation charity is a doozy. I don't know, Ross, do you want to kind of kick off the timeline and we'll jump in here? So I mentioned 22 years since 1998, they've been um, really the charity arm. They've raised millions and millions of dollars. One of my favorite things is the Rogers House, awesome wing of the hospital now that's really there to comfort the families and to really have that, yeah, that family atmosphere that you wouldn't often get at a hospital. So I think that's kind of their crowning goal, but they've just done so much for local charities. And it seems like this has been boiling over for a while. There's been a lot of disagreements between the board of directors of the Sens Foundation and Eugene Melnick based on a few things. One, I'm sure everyone knows Eugene Melnick tried to launch that organ project. Um, never really got off the ground. It kind of disappeared after um, a few you know, commercials here and there. And he wanted that to be a part of the mandate for the Sens Foundation, whereas their focus is on local charities and mostly with kids. And this ch- charity that Melnick runs, it's a great charity, don't get me wrong, but the money would be going to Toronto. You think that the community of Ottawa would want to more so donate the charity to things that affect them on a daily basis and people. So I can understand why the Sens Foundation didn't really want that whole going. And another thing, Parley, I'll let you touch on this too, is I don't know how many charities have to pay rent to the organization that they're part of. I'm sure some of them do, but to have it in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Seems ridiculous. Yeah. There's a lot of things that kind of get you to scratch your head. And it almost seems like, unfortunately, the Sens Foundation has gotten to a point where they're fed up and they want to cut ties with the situation where they don't have, I guess, the the same point of view as the owner of, of the Senators. And yeah, it, do, it does hurt because you know, this was a foundation that that was something you could be proud of as a Senators fan, that the Sens Foundation, what they were able to do. Ross, you mentioned that wing in the hospital and what they were able to do for kids. And it was nice that it was it was based around the kids because 
there's so much wonder for a kid going to an NHL game, walking in, seeing the bright lights, seeing their favorite players live in person, being part of the atmosphere. Even that alone for a kid can uh, who's dealing with so much can distract them and take their mind off what they're dealing with. All these things have happened and pillar going on with what you said. I mean, it does seem like we've had so many conversations where it's, well, another one, another tough situation for the senators, another kind of, um, I guess, stain on the reputation in the Ottawa market. So it, it's tough because it seems like there were so many good things happening with Belleville. Ottawa was playing well. DJ Smith had the team going well. Um, There's two big draft picks coming up, make it three now with that third round or the third first rounder, sorry. And it's just, it's a tough time. And what a weird time, you know, when the world seems to be coming together around what we touched on last episode but yeah it's a, it's a tough time right now and the senators uh it's unfortunate they let this one go because that was definitely one of the bright spots around the organization i encourage everyone we retweeted it out at send central on twitter but if you want to go check it out in the ottawa sun as well rick gibbons discussing how the split between the senators and the sends foundation boils down to money and you hate having even money and charity going head to head it's it's a, a tough situation, I think, all around. And the, the real part that's maybe a little bit something to dig deeper into is when the Sens released their statement, they were saying that months ago they made it clear that they were going to open up to a bidding process. If you're the Sens Foundation pillar, wouldn't you be a little upset at that? Well, definitely. And uh, I think the point I just wanted to make is it seems like the biggest problem here, from what I'm understanding, is that Melnick viewed this uh, Senators Foundation, the charity foundation, as kind of an extension of his business and the team. And he thought... Uh, an asset. Yeah, exactly. He was able to kind of, uh, I don't want to say use them as he wanted, but, you know, like have his own uh, mandate and kind of push different things that he thought was was important, where it seems like the Senators Foundation was very firm on being like, we want to some support the community. Like you said, Ross, we want this area to thrive off the donations. And what's the point of doing that when half your donations are going towards uh, rent money and all these expenses. It's hardly even a charity, right? Like that's what you need it for. And the key thing, if, if Melnick wants the community and the fans of the Ottawa Senators to come back and embrace the culture and the team, even through this tough rebuild, you need to thrive in the community and be a presence in the community. Like you said, Ross, there's nothing wrong with uh, having an organ uh, donor foundation. That's great. It's an important issue. But to have it in Toronto and not in Ottawa and to take away from those key community things like uh, helping kids in the community of Ottawa, it just it's you're moving your presence away from the community that is starving for you to be there for them so that they can get involved and feel like they're a part of this whole team. So I think it's going to be tough for a new organization, a new charity to come in and kind of appease to Melnick while still supporting the community. But hopefully something like that can get done and hopefully they can work out some sort of rent agreement because if if there's just hundreds of thousands of dollars being put back into Melnick's pocket instead of going to the charitable funds they're supposed to, I think that's going to make the community kind of sour even more on Malnick and uh, the senators. So that's something I really hope to get fixed. It's, it's sad because it comes down to the sense foundation. You know, there was a couple strikes against the senators and it seems like they finally struck out. Yeah, really. And the good news though, is that the charity work will still continue. What I'm interested to see, like there is, the foundation had been criticized in the past. CBC mentioned that in their article, saying that 
a 2018 analysis by Charity Intelligence Canada found that only 46 cents of every dollar donated actually made it to an organization in need. And you got to think of that high rent maybe uh, played a pact. A lot of people thought that it was the fact the Sentence Foundation put out a statement um, decrying everything that's going on, saying that everyone basically fighting for social justice and the senators didn't retweet it, didn't acknowledge the tweet. And the next thing you know, they're not together. Well, the Sons have since put out a tweet. It's um, pretty short. Doesn't really say much. Too little, too late, right? Like- yeah, I think it was Kevin Lee. Uh, definitely a good fall. Bring back Lee on, on Twitter, uh, mentioning that it's as though you have an open book test for a week and you still fail it at, at the end because you're seeing so many. I think it was 115 NHL players put out some sort of statement on social media and now the new york rangers are the lone team who have not yet made a statement um i had to make a statement this week and i decided to try to kill a bug and well instead get the bug no instead i killed my windshield and that's why rockauto.com is great because they have everything from edge and control modules to brake parts to lamps motor oil New carpet, yeah, you guessed it, windshields as well. It's a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You'll go to rockauto.com for your classic or daily driver and get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Trust me, you just have to see it for yourself. All the parts that are available for your vehicle. It's too easy to navigate, honestly. If you're sick of checking this and checking that, no, it's your one-stop shop. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? That doesn't sound smart. What does, though, is going to rockauto.com right now, right now, and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Now, today's episode is for June 6th, but we're recording here the night of June 5th, and it is a milestone birthday Parley, I think you had this man on your team when we did our all-time sends lineups. Da, 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 da. Happy 40th birthday to Mike Fisher. Maybe doesn't look a day younger than 30. I don't know how this guy's 40. Yeah, it helps having uh, Carrie Underwood under your arm. I'm sure she doesn't all right uh, at uh, keeping him young. Pilsy, what, what do you remember about Mike Fisher as an Ottawa senator? Well, I mean, right away, it's that two-way style of playing. And just... Like the first thing that comes to mind when I think of Mike Fisher as a person and a hockey player is a whole lot of heart. Like this guy put it all on the ice. Like, you know, he was a, a hardworking two-way forward that was a big part of the Senators team for a long time until, and you know what? It was sad to see him go, but you couldn't really blame him. It made just made so much sense for him to want to be in Nashville. Like you mentioned, Carrie Underwood, uh, country uh, superstar. So being in Nashville made a lot of sense. And this isn't an Ottawa Senators uh, uh, memory, but wasn't it crazy how he came back in his last year with the Nashville Predators on their oh, way yeah. to the Stanley Cup final run? And he ended up being their number one centerman in yeah. the Cup finals when he came halfway through the year out of retirement just as kind of a, a throw in. Like, 
that you knew he was just getting bored of retirement. That wasn't even that long ago. That was like two years ago. It so, was 2017 because everyone yeah. was like, man, Ottawa needs to play these, this team in the final. They're going to destroy them. Ryan Johansson was yep. out with a big injury. Um, yeah, real shame. Real shame. But when you lose out, you usually have a higher draft pick. And I think without further ado, we should get right to the wheel. Um, Parley, I think I think you had the best one last time. So I think we should go right to you for uh, for the first spin in the Tankathon Tank Watch. Don't mind if I do. And you know what, boys? I'm all right with this one. The Los Angeles Kings move into number one. Wow, that would be a farm system uh, yeah. that not a lot of people can scoff at in the next couple of years if they get the number one pick, Alexi Lafreniere. But Ottawa coming in at number two, Quinton Byfield area. We need a number one centerman so badly. And I think Quinton Byfield will fill those shoes. I know you're right there with me, Pilsy. Then Detroit, youch, tough year for Detroit if they slipped a three. But then Ottawa right there at four with their own two pick. And four. It, it was the Sanes, it was the San Jose pick up to two, actually. I like two and four. What about you, Pillar? Let's go. Oh yeah, San Jose's pick number one overall. Wow. But that Ooh. bumps Ottawa's pick down to five, but I'm not really too concerned oh. about that at all. That's like Alexi Lafreniere and Lucas Raymond. Imagine being mad about that. Yeah, yeah then really. your top line's filled out. Brady, La- uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess yeah, you still need a centerman, but uh, yeah. Yeah, same sort of deal for me. I've, I finished with uh, three and four. We got Anaheim moving up four spots to first, Detroit down to second, San Jose staying pat at three, and Ottawa's own pick moving down to three and four. I think that might be, as a collective, our best definitely spins we will just mention this we'll talk about this um in the next couple weeks but i do have confirmation that june 24th you can circle that one on the calendar it's two days before the nhl draft lottery the hockey hall of fame will announce its 2020 inductees so sends fans you know what the deal is that means we're another year the third possible time that daniel alfredson could be inducted into the hockey hall of fame and how cool would it be if he was inducted with Marion Hosa, two guys who grew up on the same team. And Marion Hosa being a first ballot guy right now, uh, Jerome McGinley, another guy on the first ballot. Always interesting because they usually kind of split it up by eras a little bit. So if all three of them got in at the same time, I'd be really surprised. Um, it's going to be tough, man. But if the Hockey Hall of Fame is not tough to get into, then what? what's it there for, right? Absolutely. That should be the toughest ticket in town, and I definitely think it is. Um, Just kind of a funny note here, Jerome McGinley, you look down, I just hopped on his DB there as you were talking about it. Uh, He's sitting there in his picture in a Colorado uniform, so that's just weird to look at. And then you look through it. He started playing for the Calgary Flames right out of Canloops in 95, 96, 96, 97 season. He played an entire year. So his rookie year, he played 82 games. Then he went from Calgary to Pittsburgh to Boston to Colorado to L.A. You forget about those teams that he bounced around to. You really do. But uh, 1,554 games, 600 goal club, 600 assist club, exactly 1,300 points in his career, exactly 1,040 pims. Pretty wow. impressive stuff. Gotta love those nice even numbers. Let's not forget he played an enti- almost an entire NHL regular season in the playoffs, 81 games. 
That's a, yeah, I mean, what's hosted though, almost triple that. Maybe if not more, I think hosts 206 playoff games going to, uh, what was it, five Stanley Cup finals in seven years? I got it's a question for you, crazy. bouncing off of that one. Jerome McGinley, in the conversation of best player to never win a cup? Yeah, definitely. Be, 100%, oh, yeah. yeah, for me, yeah. Why not? What a heartbreaking loss against Tampa. Oh, that, yeah. was, uh, that was on a Especially hell of a because that was in the net. Seriously, it was. Um, I will mention, though, since we, we kind of teased off the top, this is the anniversary that the Sens lost game five. Um, Alfie, another one of the best players to never win a cup. Had two yeah, goals, oh yeah. both, both Ottawa goals in that game. So, ho-hum. He was kind of clawing back at itself. Anaheim went up 2-0. Alfie makes it 2-1. Anaheim makes it 3-1. Alfie makes it 3-2 shorthanded. And, I mean, it was kind of over after that, unfortunately. But what isn't over for you is this great, great deal from Built Bar. You know it. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar with 16 amazing Flavors, Parley, I need to put you on the spot because you've been tearing through your Built Bars, which is your go-to right now. If, if somebody's putting in promo code locked on right now at BuiltBar.com, which one should they be ordering? Banana nut. This one is nuts. Like what I did there. Anything <laughs> with did. banana in it, I'm there for it, and these guys do it right. Well, since you can pick so many different flavors, maybe Pillsy can put the uh, Pillar Approved stamp on one as well. Guys, Built Bar. What's one thing you know about every single Built Bar? 100% real chocolate covering every bar. Do you like chocolate? How about a chocolate-covered double chocolate mousse Built Bar? Is that enough chocolate for you? I would probably I need to serve that with ice cream, though. I would need to. You never like chocolate mousse and ice cream. Sure. Yeah, yeah you sure. need a glass of milk with that one. All of Built Bar's quality, quality protein bars are available to you. Just go to the promo code locked on when you go to builtbar.com and you can get your $10, $10 back. Just handing it right back to you. You can go buy a beer on us if you use the promo code locked on for your first order of Built Bars. Now let's get to the Send Central prospect rankings before I send it over to a conversation I had earlier in the day with Max Armstrong, our first Send Central citizen. But number 16 on the Sen Central Prospect Rankings is Jan Mishak. Pilsy, what can you tell us about the check forward? First off, good pronunciation. Uh, we we worked a little bit uh, on that this morning. Definitely don't want to pronounce that one wrong. Um, first, well, some some OHL play-by-play guys were calling him Mysak. Yeah, I mean, Yikes. you got to recognize those uh, accents on uh, on the Y and the S. So good job there, Ross. Um, first thing I noticed about this guy, speed. And what, what I love about him is he just is so clutch at uh, not only getting to breakaways, but finishing on breakaways. That just being able to get that one step ahead of uh, defenders and they don't have a chance. It's like Alex Formanton, Ross. We've seen it uh, so many times in Belleville where you knew as soon as the puck got onto Formington's stick and there's just one defender in his way, just a couple steps and he is gone. And that's so reliable for a guy uh, like Meshach that 
is going to kill penalties for you because how many opportunities can you get on the penalty kill by just reading the, uh, especially the really easy one to pick off is the D to D pass. And you just jump right through, intercept that pass and you're gone. He's a guy that can definitely do that. I don't think he's going to hop into the NHL right away. It's going to take some time, but at pick number 16, getting that kind of speed and that kind of two-way game is definitely something teams will be after. You mentioned Alex Formanton there and his ability to play the penalty kill and create some opportunities as well. One guy comes to mind that Pillar, it's funny you mentioned breakaways because I know you got a little bit of a qualm with him on breakaways, and that's Connor Brown. That was a guy that came to mind for me. Obviously, Meshack right now listed as a centerman. These two-way guys, it's if they're not great in the dot, they're often used, especially with a lot of speed, on the wing. I can see him maybe moving to the wing at six foot. That just makes sense to me. Every single scout that I've looked at when talking about Meshack it is his ability to think the game better than his peers. His hockey IQ is head and shoulders above a lot of other players in this draft. I like that. Shifty, he's got a great release as well. He can score goals, though. And maybe he didn't show that so much in the um, the top league in the Czech Republic, where he, ah, he had eight goals in 57 games. But if you look back to growing up, and take it with a grain of salt, but talk about goal scoring man as a as a 14 year old playing against 16 year olds he had 57 goals in 37 games and then as a 15 year old in that same u16 league and this is where they were like man we got him we got to move this guy up he had 41 goals in 12 games 41 goals that's <laughs> mind-blowing like even 41 points in 12 games would be mind-blowing that's like yeah. gretzky back in Brantford as a nine-year-old literally <laughs> Yeah, 41 goals and plus 48 in 12 games. Um, so they were like, man, maybe that's not enough challenge for the 15-year-old. So they put him in the U18 league, and he had 30 goals in 36 games um, that same year. So 71 goals in 48 games um, playing above his class, and then had two goals playing in the under-20 league as a 15-year-old. And then, yeah, 31 games as a 16-year-old in the top pro league so that's why the production of course maybe not there but this guy is uh is pretty impressive when it comes to putting the puck in the net and maybe that's the reason why he transferred he was a mid-season transfer right he came he started the year in the czech pro league played 26 games there and then after the world juniors he came to hamilton not a very good ohl team but still put the puck in the net 15 goals 25 points in uh, in 22 games there uh with that that concludes the Number 16 on our ranking. Without further ado, let's get to episode one of our Send Central Citizens. We want to hear your story. So this will kind of be the template for it. And if you're interested, send us a DM. Here's my buddy, Max Armstrong. It's a pleasure to welcome one of my best buddies, first Send Central Citizen, Max Armstrong. How are you doing today, buddy? Doing great. Talking to you, Ross. How's it going with you? Oh, you know, not too bad. We're trying to survive here without NHL hockey. I know you and I have been going back to the vault to watch some uh, old Sens games. We watched the 2015 playoffs to relive some disappointment, but then now we're on to the 27 playoffs. But you've been a Sens fan long before that. We said we were going to ask all of our Sens Central citizens, how did you initially become an Ottawa Senators fan? Man, I guess the easy answer for me would just be I was born uh, like – 
for me, I'm, I'm part of that lucky new generation that didn't have to grow up choosing other teams. So they've just always been there my whole life. Mom and dad were big hockey fans. So as long as I can remember, I was watching stuff like I was hitting my head off the, the pole in the basement celebrating Radic Bonk goals. You and I are lucky where we're 92 birth years. So the same year the Ottawa Senators came in. We got to get to some hot takes. And I know uh, I was living in Halifax where you are right now. Uh, during this day, we were together on the day of the 2015 draft and it didn't go the way you wanted. To. Yeah, no, that's definitely one of the, the things I hang my hat on. Ottawa had those two first round picks later on in the draft where we got Shabbat and White. And I'll never forget how hopeful I was that we would pick up a guy like Travis Konechny. I think I liked him because he was playing for the junior team in Canada. So first round, swing and a miss, we get Thomas Shabbat. But I wouldn't really call that a miss. No, no. And it's one of the best first rounds in recent history. Everyone talks about the 2003 draft. I mean, it's, it's looking pretty sharp. But Shabbat, obviously a great pick. It's, you thought Colin White was a little bit of a stretch there. And how about the fact that Travis Konechny, you mentioned the World Juniors where he was solid, but he was playing his junior hockey in Ottawa, in the Sens' backyard, and not even in their backyard, in their house, because that's when the Civic Center was under construction. They were building the football stadium, refurbishing Lansdowne. So they were literally playing their home games at Scotiabank Arena when Travis Konechny was the captain of those Ottawa 67s. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's like a, a little thing to, to look at for sure. And that's one of the reasons why I thought it would be a good fit. He's uh, playing in Ottawa already. And I think what frustrated me about taking Colin White over him was that they were the same position. So like with Shabbat, obviously, A, he's proven himself after being drafted 10 times over. But he's a defenseman, so you can understand going for a different position. But uh, choosing Colin White as a center over Travis Konechny as a center was not a choice I would have made. And uh, obviously time, I would say, has proven me correct. But uh, hindsight is something that I can benefit from here. So when Colin White, then Ilya Samsonov, then Brock Besser, and then Man. Travis Konechny. So, I mean, the whole first round was loaded with talent. You can nitpick anywhere, but those are some pretty big names right behind them. Do you think that puts more pressure on Colin White here going forward, despite already earning himself a six-year contract? I think that's really up to him on how he's going to compare himself to others. But let's just say this year I had Travis Konechny in my hockey pool. I'm not sure how many people had Colin White in theirs. <laughs> yeah, well, Konechny's got 299 games under his belt, 185 points. Colin White has 155 games, so half the games but 70 points. You do have to consider that he has been playing a lot on a line with Claude Giroux and Jacob Voracek. I mean, Colin White got to play with Mark Stone in his rookie year too. So, um, I mean, you can nitpick. I guess what will make Sens fans feel better is the fact that Thomas Chavot was even available because this was the famed draft where the Boston Bruins had three straight picks, 13, 14, and 15. They took Jakob Zaboral, who's played two NHL games. Huh. Jake DeBrus, good pick. Yep. And Zachary Sinitian, Ottawa native, but he's only played six NHL games. You know who the three picks after that were, Max? It was Matthew Barzal, Kyle Connor, and Thomas Shabbat. They could have had all three of those guys. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I definitely think I recognize those names. Yeah, a little bit more. They would be high in the, uh, you mentioned the fantasy hockey pool uh, <laughs> circuit. They'd be high up there. Before we let you go, one memory, um, which is coming up, and maybe it's not always a happy one for you, but you were there. 
when the cup was lifted in Anaheim. That must have been a pretty special moment. That was amazing for me, for sure. Like, it, it hurt seeing it go to a different team, but just being there in the arena, I was super lucky. It was a birthday present for my dad. I was very, very lucky to have that come my way. Uh, so we knew we were going there for game five before the series even started, and it was great. The fans there were awesome for the most part, too. Like, they were all very, very nice. I was walking around with a red afro on, Sens jersey. My dad was there all geared up, but... Uh, after the game, they were shaking our hands saying like, oh, it's your turn next year. It's your turn next year. Super nice. And I remember walking home to the hotel after that. And my dad just said, be happy this wasn't in Detroit because the, ho- the hockey fans there are a little more passionate. Man, that Anaheim team was ridiculous. Like, team Absolutely ridiculous. Like the young, young Ryan Getzloff. I've been kind of going back and watching some of the highlights of those games. And I mean, and then you look on the back end, Scott Niedermeyer and Chris Pronger. Well, and their shutdown line as well was one of, like, the biggest shutdown lines I can ever think of, having the ability to just make Alfie, Spezza, and Heatley almost obsolete like that in a couple games. Yeah, Sammy Paulson was the guy who stood out on that line, then Travis Moen and Rob Niedermeyer as well. Anyways, we could go on all day, Maxie. Pleasure having you on the show. Congrats. The inaugural Uh, Central Citizen. Your uh, T-shirt's in the mail. Oh, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. So we've already got next week's book. Next, it'll be every Friday. We'll do our Send Central Citizens. Uh, Anything else before we go there, boys? Yeah, I I think uh, this is a fun idea because what better to hear from the fans and kind of give you a voice and uh, we can kind of see what kind of hot takes you got going on and uh, we can have some debates there. Absolutely. And we'll do it again next week. For Brandon Piller, And Chris Parliament, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, where we've got your team every day.